United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. by the United States Institute of Peace's Director of Africa Program, Susan, Susan Sajan. She's one of the executive directors for the Senior Study Group on Peace and Security in the Red Sea region. We've been hearing a great deal about what's, of what's going on right there. Um, both shores of the Red Sea, the Horn of Africa, which includes Sudan, Ethiopia, and Somalia, and the Middle East Coast, that includes Yemen and Saudi Arabia. They have some distinct challenges that are happening right now. Let's talk to her a little bit about what's going on. Susan, welcome back and good morning. How are you? Good morning, Laura. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So give us a little bit of what's been going on, because I know there's been such a huge focus that people have been watching when it comes to Ukraine, when it comes to Israel and, and Gaza, but perhaps they don't know as much about the overall security in the Red Sea region. Tell me about it. Well, the Red Sea is um, a relatively small body of water, but incredibly strategic. Uh, and a place that we watch because of the importance of safeguarding what is amounts to about 12% of global trade that moves through the Red Sea, up through the Suez Canal um, and into the Mediterranean. And what we've seen um, increasingly is threats against uh, major shipping companies um, to the extent that seven of the 10 largest shippers have actually made the decision to redirect their ships down south to travel along the uh, eastern coast of Africa, around South Africa, and then to make a much longer journey um, forward. And this has really been provoked by attacks um, and threats against uh, shipping companies and, and large container ships, uh, in part by Houthi rebels, Iranian-backed rebels from Yemen. Um, and it, this has also provoked the United States to announce um, what is a new task force to safeguard uh, shipping and maritime security in this this Red Sea space. What authority do we have for that? Well, the United States uh, has worked um, and announced this joint task force with 10 other uh, countries and allies. Um, I, I think uh, there hasn't been any particular challenge to it. Um, there's certainly been a response by, by those who are leading the attacks. I think one of the most uh, visible ones, uh, at least in the public space, came this weekend uh, where uh, this U.S. task force uh, engaged with four boats that were attacking um, a, a shipping container itself, um, and three of the boats ended up being um, being directly attacked. Uh, so it seems like this the situation continues to escalate. Um, and and as you said at the the front, it's an incredibly dynamic um, and uh, challenging part of the world uh, in terms of uh, the political uh, and security considerations that the U.S. has to manage. Talk to me about the senior study group the report that was um, recently released because it, it has recommendations that are quite broad about what could possibly be done to address and at least. Um, at the surface level, at the very least, of what's been going on? Yes, yeah, so the, the senior study group um, focused its attention looking at the, the Horn of Africa, so the western side of, of the Red Sea, um, and was looking at how uh, U.S. policy uh, and how the increased 
interest and engagement by some of the, the Gulf countries was impacting on peace and security in the Horn of Africa. Um, we've had conversations in the past about the transition in Ethiopia, uh, a country of over 110 million people that, that saw quite a terrible war uh, in 2020 uh, through 2022. Uh, we've talked about the war that's taking place in Sudan. Uh, and what we know is that uh, many of the interests and the, the factors that are driving and continuing this war come from inside of those countries, but it's also being affected by competition uh, from outside countries to gain access to ports that run up and down the Red Sea, um, as well as uh, broader interest to, to safeguard the security area. So what the, the study group actually recommends, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, 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 want, I want to hear that part. Go ahead, especially. Yeah. Um, well, what the study group recommended was that as, as the United States thinks about its foreign policy, uh, it often thinks about Africa in one lane and it thinks about the Gulf in a separate lane. And the study group argued that this is really an interconnected space and that if we want to ensure that safety and security of the movement of ships and maritime, if we want to ensure transitions um, that were underway towards democracy and countries that can be allies to the United States continue in, in the right direction. We want to ensure that this young, vibrant population of, of youth across Africa in particular um, are, are becoming and are, are and see the United States as partners as they become global citizens. Um, then the U.S. has to look at this interconnected space. Um, and it recommended uh, appointing a special envoy for the Horn of Africa who could lead that diplomatic effort, uh, assigning and prioritizing assistance uh, that would that would ensure inclusive growth and and support the democratic advancement in in some of these core and and very large important countries in the horn of africa who or which countries present obstacles to this because obviously this would take coordination and agreement which is the two words that don't always go hand in hand with um, strategic regions and strategic um, assets like the red sea so who are the hurdles one of the challenges that the study group identified is that there there isn't an architecture or if we want to think about in sort of household senses there isn't there isn't plumbing that connects together those who are making decisions on the western side of, of the Horn of, of the Red Sea and those who are making decisions on the eastern side. Um, so there, there are intergovernmental bodies um, in the Horn of Africa. There are intergovernmental bodies uh, in, in the Gulf. Um, but there isn't something that connects across the two. And so uh, finding a way uh, to promote better communication, to see and identify shared security interests, and to ensure that there isn't miscommunication, particularly at this moment where the United States is getting more engaged. I, I think this is a, a really um, important consideration for, for the United States to take forward. Well, you know, there's, are there other countries that, that don't want this to happen? That, that, I mean, obviously, if, if you're talking about 12% of trade going through the Red Sea area, um, it means it's a very strategic and influential body. And I could see some trying to exploit the chaos or exploit the fact that there is not coordination to their advantage. Uh, at the moment, I think what the main threats have been from non non state actors, so not okay. countries themselves, but but those who are who are working and opposing particular states. Um, you know, there's a very small country in, um, on the Red Sea, Djibouti, uh, and it it has 
military bases um, from the United States, from France, from China, and in this tiny little country in a, in a very concentrated area. So uh, I know we're often talking about the competition with China. Um, I, I think there's a, a strong shared interest in ensuring maritime security in, in that space. Um, but there's also, there is some strategic competition about access to the ports um, and, and the overall shipping and, and trading routes that include the Red Sea itself. Really important to hear this perspective. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Happy New Year. Thanks, Laura. Happy New Year to you, too. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.